Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. Hosted by Debaoki, Chris Butcher, myself, David Brothers, and the irresponsible Chip Zadarsky. You can follow <laughs> along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. And I actually meant to compliment whoa, whoa. Chip in that intro, I gotta say. But it got away from me, man. I'm sorry. Well, maybe you just consider irresponsible to be a compliment. That's entirely possible. Like someone who can uh, throw off the shackles of responsibility. And reject conformity. That's the trick. Yeah. Thank you, David. Thank you very much for that intro. Like Lum. Like Lum and her family, those irresponsible aliens. <laughs> but so we are gathered here today to talk about Hiromu Arakawa's Full Metal Alchemist, which is... Depending on, I feel like your age as an anime fan, one of the best of all time or something you might not be too familiar with. It started coming out in 2001 from Square Enix's uh, manga imprint in Monthly Shonen Gangan. And it sort of snowballed into two different anime series, a long-running manga, I believe 27 volumes and a couple of movies as well. It sold 70 million volumes worldwide. Oh yeah, there's light novels. Uh, It's won a bunch of awards. It was the favorite manga in the UK in 2010 and 2011, according to Wikipedia. Hmm. It's kind of a big deal. Uh, and Arakawa is like a really good artist. She's very popular. Uh, she's like a very fr- fan-friendly style. And Full Metal Alchemist was her breakout series, I believe. Uh, is that right, Chris? You're the historian? Uh, I, I would actually defer to Deb on that one. But yeah, I, I believe she first she had other stuff that was people were aware of it in Japan. Mm-hmm. But I really do feel like... Uh, Full Metal Alchemist is what sort of catapulted her to being a superstar um, on yeah. both sides of the Pacific, actually. Full Metal Alchemist is about two brothers who lost their mother when they were very young and tried to bring her back to life using alchemy, which very quickly ruined their lives and destroyed one of their bodies and took two limbs from the other. So one exists as a giant suit of armor, and the other is kind of a uh, short-for-his-age kid who's also an <laughs> expert alchemist. And the series is sort of, you know, their trials and travails, trying to discover the way to get their bodies back and maybe bring their mother back. But personally, I liked it a lot. The The art was really up my alley. The storytelling was really kind of exactly my bag. And the ending definitely made me cry when I watched it in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and eventually read it in the manga. So I think I want to start with Deb and get what you thought about Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, Fullmetal Alchemist has kind of been one of my, um, I guess, something I've, I've been kind of embarrassed about because it's it's something that everyone talks about as being such an important and favorite work. And I've mm-hmm. never read it in, in its entirety. I've not watched the anime either. So it's kind of like, you know, like being a film buff and admitting you've never seen Taxi Driver. <laughs> it's, it's that level of embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of her work, her other work. Uh, I like Silver Spoon a lot. And so this has been one of those series that I've been meaning to read. And I hear a lot about, like, uh, for example, uh, one of our, our mutual friends, Faith Erin Hicks, mentions how much she loves it and she does fan mm. art. So I've been hearing a lot about it for years, but I've never sat down and watched it or read it in its entirety. So I actually enjoyed this a lot. You know, I mean, I knew the basic premise of the story, but I didn't. Um, I didn't know exactly how mm, complex it could get. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very approachable. I mean, it, it explains what alchemy is, and it's basically set in this mis- kind of vaguely European world of like steampunky era. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's some there's some humor to lighten things up, kind of like in how Tezuka's work. There's some very serious themes and very dark sometimes gory events, but it gets leavened by some running jokes. Like everyone makes fun of how short Al is, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked it. I, I, I in, I'll say that a mark of success for a manga is it, you know, after reading the first volume, I immediately want to run on it by the, the next one. So yeah. It, it mm. succeeds on that level. Cool. And Chris, how about you? What did you think? I hadn't read, I still haven't read all of Fullmetal Alchemist, and I am not embarrassed about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's you, Chris. (laughs) I I actually really like, I've always liked Arakawa Sensei's art. I actually think the art that she puts out is really interesting, especially for shonen manga. It's um, very edgy. Uh, It's uh, dark. She uses a lot of solid blacks, especially in the first volume. And I think that's really interesting. I I, I get kind of a Magnola vibe almost. Uh, Sorry, I get a Magnola vibe 
via Kia Asamiya doing, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the steampunk one uh, where everyone is like deeply influenced by Magnolia. What's that one called? It's the it's giant robo, maybe giant robo. Uh, oh, yeah. Of it. Yeah, that is a melange of influences. Yeah, it's like a like a trickle down <laughs> effect there. But uh, no, I actually I like I like her art. I actually read this. I used to sell manga and I only needed to read the first volume and then the series synopsis. And that was all I needed <laughs> to read to sell the manga. And I bounced off of it when I first read it. It's it's very different in tone for a shonen manga from the sort of shonen jump ethos, I find. How so? It's, it's more closed, uh, claustrophobic, maybe. I find that, you know, where we've we've already picked Naruto. I'm more curious to hear how Chip's going to compare this to Naruto than I am to even hear how what he thinks of this one. Because I think shonen is in my mind, so codified, like such a, a monolithic thing that I feel like this breaks some rules in that. So I think that's really interesting. So should we skip me this week? Then? <laughs> no, no. I may not be that interested, but I'm sure our legions of adoring fans <laughs> very much are. But uh, I read the first two volumes because I wasn't sure what we were reading. Maybe we'll get to that in a sec. I read the first two volumes of the like standalone soft covers, the original release in English, and I liked it. I think it's uh, it is pretty compelling action comics, and that is that is my immediate thought. And I watched the first episode of the Brotherhood anime, very different than the manga. Maybe it starts yes, much yes. much much later down the road or something. But uh, <laughs> that first two episodes, yeah, has nothing to do with the uh, the manga in this volume. Anyway, so that's what I thought. But I guess that leaves that leaves Chip. Uh, who I t- already told I wasn't interested. So I guess I'm interested enough for both of us, Chris. <laughs> I have to say. Right. Chip, what did you think? You know what? <laughs> wasn't my bag. Interesting. Um, it, it, it is one of those ones where, as I'm reading it, uh, I was like, "Would I have liked this more if I got into it?" And I was like, 11, 10 maybe." Mm-hmm. Like. You know, there there's some complexity there, but it's the kind of complexity that like kind of bounces off me as an adult, but I would mm. have seen as quite complex as mm-hmm. a kid, you know? Um, I think the, the designs of the characters are great. I wasn't that enamored with the art. There was a lot of kind of awkwardness and uh, poor rendering choices in spots and badly drawn angles of characters. It, like that kind of stuff really gets to me and like, Mm. it's hard that our first book that we reviewed was Akira because <laughs> <laughs> nothing quite hits that level. And as someone who wasn't very familiar with manga, obviously that's the whole theme of the show. Um, at the beginning, <laughs> I, and I, I always had in the back of my head that manga was universally better drawn than North American comics. Mm. Like that was just something I had in the back of my head. Like, well, I know Akira and that's amazing. <laughs> and the other stuff I've seen has been amazing. So it's probably just all amazing. Like you always kind of judge like a country's output on their best. Yeah. Output. Right. Uh, so, so yeah, so I, I, I find I bounce off art a lot more uh, as a result of that. I also got to say, we are on a absolute winning streak with, terrible color pages <laughs> <laughs> i was going to ask about that i didn't know if it was too soon or not uh yeah, there's just first three page. in this one <laughs> yeah yeah but the, the first one was just like whoo like i can i can it actually transported me back in time to grade 12 Ooh, coloring <laughs> like it's the same it's techniques blow. like it's like the same color choices yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry to every manga artist who ever colors their own work, but yikes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean like the, the, the action stuff was fun. And um, I, I also had the feeling when I was reading it, that I would have preferred this as anime, hmm. which mm. is, which is one of the first things that, you know, the first times that's happened to me because of the, the design of the characters and the action stuff. I'm just like, Oh, this would, this would read really well in motion, like actually on the screen. Cause I, I, I wasn't quite buying it as much on, on the page. 
That's an interesting observation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's uh, it's interesting to hear that it's also a wildly popular anime series because that makes a lot of sense to me. Hmm. Um, it was so popular they actually got a do-over and they did a second series that was more faithful to the manga after it really? ended. Really? Yeah. Um, That's quite rare. I had, I had a couple of questions from the intro. One, yeah. I thought Square Enix was a video game company. Did they also do manga? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also a publishing company, yeah, in huh. Japan. Uh, Chris, do you want to break it down? You've got a better view of the industry than I do. Well, working backwards, I can say that Square Enix just opened up shop uh, in the last year or two here in North America with their own publishing arm, much like uh, Kodansha Comics is an arm of Kodansha Japan. Uh, you know, Viz is uh, is an arm of both uh, Shueisha and Shogakukan amongst uh, Katakawa and, and Yen. So that's the most recent thing. But yeah, they're they are a publishing company in Japan. They actually publish a number of magazines, both shonen and seinen. I don't think they do any shojo or jose stuff. Most of their input output had actually been scooped up by Yen Press, and Full Metal Alchemist was a huge deal, and Viz got the rights to that one. Kind of. Uh, because surprising that, a lot that, of people that deal predated yen press right yeah i think i think so i, th- I know that other people were bidding on uh, on this series at the time even back in in the early oh, wow. 2000s mm-hmm. well we had we threw a lot of pour one out there's a lot of defunct manga publishers from that period mm-hmm. from the boom times but yeah it, it's a really interesting thing they're like a very much a, a multi multimedia company there's publishing there's the video games but there's uh there's so much more to, to what they do in japan as well they also publish the game books too art books and the yeah. strategy books yeah. So yeah it's quite a big thing mm-hmm. there's there's a there's another thing from your intro light novels oh. what are light <laughs> novels Ooh. please explain because you're you're the bookseller <laughs> uh Oh, without <laughs> being insulting, uh, <laughs> light novels are novels that come out of the fandom sphere of content creation in Japan, which is to say they have themes and settings that appeal to primarily the hardcore manga and anime and otaku culture fans. Is it like a pulp novel kind of? Yeah, it's like a think of it as like a pulp novel except everyone is a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> and many of them are teenagers who have died and reappeared in a different world. Uh where they are now powerful like a video game world like a fantasy or a sci-fi or whatever. That's the isekai sh- subgenre but it has taken over light novels almost entirely. There are a lot of light novels published in North America, and the fact that you have no idea what they are shows that it works. It is for it is material for people who like that material, <laughs> very, very firmly material for people who like that material. But it's yeah, not, mostly it's mostly not written by teens for teens, is it? Is it? It's no, like it's more. It kind of comes out of a not a fanfic tradition, but sort of short stories that are sort of hyper focused on like one aspect of one series. Sometimes, gotcha. yeah. If it's a spinoff or like riffing on Lord of the Rings or Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I think the light refers to like kind of the metaphorical weight of the novel. You yeah. can just sit down and breeze through and then you're done. Yeah. yeah. It, it has no Cliff's notes because it doesn't need one. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> not like high. It, is, yeah. <laughs> it exists in opposition to literature, to yeah. serious literature. Well, that's, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Like I read novelizations like, like Star Trek novels and Batman yeah, yeah, yeah. novels and stuff. Like I read The Death of Superman as a kid as a novel first, and then eventually got the comics. Whoa. I love that because it made it made you feel like you were <laughs> like an adult. Yeah, you know, you're reading about Doomsday punching Superman. Also, they didn't have Hal Jordan in the book at all, which was kind of exciting. But that's uh, another <laughs> podcast entirely. <laughs> oh yeah, Jordan chat. The Robotech. Robotech, which is based on the Japanese Macross, I actually read those novels before I actually got to see all of Robotech. It went off the air before I could Mm. finish watching it, so I took the novels out from the library that were written. Apparently, a bunch of people wrote them under one guy's name as like a ghostwriting thing. So yeah, all my knowledge of Robotech is from the novels. So I didn't really think about that in terms of my fandom, but I guess I also was a light novel reader. (laughs) 
This is a big. So get off your revelation. high horse. <laughs> I tried to be so medium horse on that explanation of of light novels. Well, like, well, like when you when you start your explanation by saying, "Hmm, how can I say this? It won't offend anyone." You've it's already because they're mostly garbage. <laughs> like, if, let's you, be if you clear. just said, "Oh, they're like you know, you know, those pulp novels, novels that are about licensed properties." That's what these are. Like that would I, that would be. I have too much respect much. for licensed. Mm, how do I say this that doesn't <laughs> cast its readers in the worst possible light? Just a second while I do that. Like you've already done it, man. It's <laughs> books for people without friends. Let's just put. Oh, it wow, <laughs> we are going to move on, Christopher Butcher. <laughs> hate mail. Man. <laughs> I think we'll get hate tweets, and I won't see them, so it's cool. Uh, yeah, good job. but um, I'm actually really <laughs> excited that Chip mentioned this might be more fun as an anime. Because I feel like with Full Metal Alchemist, it's definitely a series that grows over its 27 volumes. Mm. Like you mentioned, there is kind of complex, but not too complex. I think it actually grows to a place of genuine complexity the mm, further yeah. on you go. But that's $270 into the series. <laughs> yeah, I can see it because the, the groundwork's laid. The fact that he's mm-hmm. like the state alchemist, and there's clearly like a lot of kind of government stuff kind of yeah. in the background. Yeah. Um, you can, you can, you can see them kind of laying the groundwork. So it's, you know, once again, it's hard to judge the whole series based on volume one. I probably, I wouldn't yeah. pick up volume two, but if I was, like I said, 11, 12, I would have picked up volume two for sure. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's weird because at the beginning of volume two, it's revealed that the alchemists and the state uh, absolutely committed a genocide and started a war and eradicated an entire race of people. So that's kind of intense for, for a children's novel. And yeah. it only grow it only gets crazier from there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. that second there's a. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I kept wondering what what's the, what are these atrocities that they're 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 hinting at? Yeah, it's. Uh, I almost don't want to spoil it for you two because it's so. The way it builds is very interesting for a manga like this. Okay, um, all right. You're used to books, or I guess I should say I'm used to books like Dragon Ball, which sort of don't involve the real world at all. Yeah. Or. One Piece or Naruto, which kind of have uh, allegory in them. They don't go super deep, but this is like, guess what? Imperialism sucks. Maybe we yeah. shouldn't be fascists. And <laughs> which is interesting, <laughs> that's right? really brave for like twelve year old. Because it's, I mean, yeah. Japan. And we talked, to, we hinted at this from Hetalia, but you know, Japan's relationship in fascism, right? During mm-hmm. World War Two, and this is pre- the way that a lot of the vocabulary is. It's kind of like this proto-German. Republic. Yeah, very much so. Uh, they introduce a Fuhrer later on, which mm-hmm. was a little awkward. Whoa. <laughs> uh, he was a bad guy, though. Don't worry about it. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, there is one thing at the end of this book that I wanted to call our attention to and our readers' attentions to. The afterword from the author, beginning on page 183, where she draws three new comic strips. Or 185, I'm sorry. Uh, she draws three comic strips sort of making jokes about the very dramatic things that just happened in the volume. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think about that? <laughs> I, I like that. Oh, that's that not it. Pretty, that's fun. Yeah. That's not in the hardcover. So they oh. actually removed, oh. when they were doing the hard, oh, so let's, we gotta, we gotta talk about this, but yeah, yeah, they actually put that into its own volume in the hardcover printings. They took all of these backup gag strips and created a standalone volume of the backup gag strips because the page like it no longer matched up with the oh well, here we go. oh the chapter breaks yeah so film list uh, is really popular <laughs> is really really popular and it's maybe the only series like this david you correct me if i'm wrong here this is the only series that has three completely in print concurrent editions of this story mm-hmm. that are still going. There's the regular standalone volumes. There are the three in one editions that I think Deb has got as well. And mm-hmm. there's the new hardcovers, which are one and a half in one. All three of these editions are complete and in print right now. And they're reprinting the individual volumes of all of them. It really speaks to how popular and a series is. And there probably is a box is set in, too. Oh, sorry. There's, there's, there's a box set. They're the, the light novels. They're, animes the the etc etc so when we talk about these series it can get a little weird because did we all read the same one what like how did everyone read this today i read the hardcover i was digital but i own the hardcover (laughs) how about you chip you were digital so i was digital comiXology and one of the issues i had was it was gray it was like gray like the the darkest line work was gray 
It's interesting. Once every like 40 pages, it would actually be corrected. So it was black line again. Can you hold, have you got it open there? Can you, can you hold it up? I mean, this isn't very I mean, I don't know if it's audio. Oh, it's going to, it's kind of, oh yeah, that's black a bit, but yeah, I know. I get it. I could see that. That's weird. Yeah, it was it was it was super weird because I'm like it really it makes it feel dated. Like actually, when I first saw it, I was like, "Is this from the 80s? Is this like an 80s (laughs) manga? 80s, 90s?" Yeah. Um, uh, And then I was like, "Are they trying to reproduce like the original way the ink hit the paper?" But no. Every once in a while, I'd have a page that was like almost overcorrected. Like there, there it is, and like it's actually black now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's but that's that and book. Like this book is gray. so so much about these really heavy, flat, solid blacks mm. uh, on so many of these panels. That's uh, a bummer because it probably hurt the the art the reading reading experience a little bit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it it definitely did. Though nothing could ever take away from double page splash of a train, <laughs> <laughs> which I actually laughed at when I got to. Like, it's, it's like one of the most boring double page flashes I've ever seen. They try to make it exciting by adding all of those lines, but nope, nope, <laughs> so unnecessary. Like, I think there's like two double page splashes, and that's one of them. And those are fairly rare in manga as well. Yeah, I'm not sure why they're rare. I think it's just you know how the industry works, but they never quite feel the same as western double page splashes which are usually kind of like one big moment kind of blown up yeah i feel like manga splashes have like three or four moments kind of crammed into one mm-hmm. well, well like in one piece right where it's just like some massive thing happens and then it's all reaction shots like it was, yeah the hell? 16 panel pages yeah so chip what did you like the most about the book like what clicked for you I mean, I, I, I like the interactions between the brothers. I thought, I, th- I thought they were fun characters. And, like, I almost wanted to keep reading. Like, the, the mystery of their backstory and their mother and what happened to them, like, uh, that was intriguing. And, I, and part of me did want to kind of keep going. If I, if I thought the story stuff mm-hmm. was more interesting, I, I probably would have kept going. But I, I really enjoyed their dynamic. And, uh, and and really just the character designs of them. Like, I thought those were fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we should definitely talk about the fact that one character is an expressionless suit of armor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. It is a good idea. But also probably hard to draw at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a classic artist mistake. Create a character <laughs> that's hard to draw for dozens of volumes. Uh, Deb, what did you like the most? Um... I guess, um, let me see. What did I like the most about it? I guess some, that the um, that it could be that it could be funny, and then it could be like really dark and mm. really turn at a dime. Like the moment when we find out that what happened to that alchemist's daughter and his and her dog. Oh yeah, in volume <laughs> two, or yeah. the end of hardcover volume one. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty depressing. <laughs> I think you would have gotten a different picture chip if you had read the hardcover because the that story this the the one two part story that's in the the first two parts of volume two that that got pulled forward into the hardcover is very mm. different than anything you encounter in the first volume. Okay. Uh, it is interesting too. I think I think maybe the hardcover oh, is right. a better that's a better read. Five and six. Yeah, mm-hmm. chapter five and six are not in the the soft cover volume one, and it's. Yeah. I'll spoil it a little bit. Uh, well, I'll spoil it because yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you should have yeah. read it. If you're at home, you should have read it by now. We're talking about it. They encounter an alchemist who's good at bio biological alchemy because they want to like basically return their bodies to where they were. And it turns out he is completely without ethics. And he actually said his wife left him, but he actually tried to c- turn her into like tried to bond her with something else. And she killed herself. And then his like little daughter and the family dog that they spend like i don't know 20 pages playing with on panel he does that to them to like because he wants to move up within the organization and and whatever so he wants to show them he's doing good things so it's like oh i made a thing that can talk like a human except it's not a human it's like his little it's his like seven-year-old daughter and the family dog he bonds them together and then 
Then they're both murdered at the end by a guy who's going around killing alchemists. Like this yeah. changes <laughs> tax. Like, oh, the state alchemists are maybe like will do anything to get ahead. Uh, you meet the the people that are like members of the military that are totally corrupt in that mining town. Like, mm-hmm. and then by the end of the second volume, you find out about the genocide and why someone's trying to murder a bunch of alchemists and is maybe the like the good guy like he's, the, got, the, a, he's the, got a point <laughs> yeah the book could be written yeah. a very different way so it's yeah yeah, yeah that, that that stuff sounds interesting like like i found those stories like you know there was what three four in here that were like, yeah. kind of these episodic things and they all had there were no surprises in them yeah mm-hmm. like when he that. turns all that was it coal into gold i'm just like yeah well, he's just gonna turn it back like i, I know that's coming <laughs> yeah that's the thing about you being a storyteller. It's like you can't, you know, all the tricks. Yeah, like you know, the philosopher's stone at the beginning is not real mm-hmm. because it's it's just too big of a like MacGuffin thing to actually turn out to be real in the first story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, whenever I'd stumble on one, something like that, I always just kept thinking back to Mermaid Saga and how I was constantly surprised by that one. Yeah, and and, and this one didn't have that kind of level of storytelling, but. Which, which again, kind of put me in the mindset of like, oh, this is great for an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old. And is this the first shonen manga that we've done, come to think about it? This is the first shonen, actually. And, and shonen yeah. is boys' manga. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's meant for young boys. Or rather, it runs in magazines that are marketed to young boys, which have a 50% female readership, nine times out of 10. That's true. Yeah. So what, what's, what's the age range? Uh, I don't know. Like up to about preteen to, yeah, 16. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see like that. Like prime comics reading time in a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but that that shonen as a category or as a genre, however you prefer to refer to it, it tends to be very formulaic. You make friends out of enemies. There's always a point where like you take your abilities to the next level. And I think yeah. that this manga has elements of that. Like it's definitely following part of that formula. Mm-hmm. Would you con- would you consider me doing this podcast with you, my shonen manga, where I'm taking my abilities up? <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely the training oh, montage yeah. before you explode onto the scene with a new graphic novel. And and all the, all of you enemies are going to become my friends. Is that how? Some that enemies just die. Oh, some <laughs> enemies. Okay, spoiler. <laughs> Someone on this podcast isn't making it out alive. But it's sort of like romance novels where the readership expects a certain type of thing. You know, you're like the genre demands it. And I think this is a particularly good example of this genre, but it's still the genre nonetheless. Yeah. Deb, what were you going to say just there? No, I was going to say that Shonen, like Shonen Jump has a credo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, friendship, effort, and victory. Those are like the three pillars of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because friendship for relationships, effort for like showing people how to get things done, and it yeah. just builds up. Yeah, that makes sense. But it feels mm-hmm. like the other uh, Shonen magazines like like Kodansha Shonen magazine and I guess Gangan kind of mm-hmm. don't necessarily follow that. I mean they have mm-hmm. slight variations on it. I think Gangan's a little darker, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think Shonen magazine for example is the running joke is that sh- uh, Kodansha Shonen magazines are very sports driven, like mm-hmm. very sports focused. And there's so much categor- categorization. Why did I decide to say that word? of manga in japan (laughs) like just introducing these to you without that context has been really it's sort of like genuinely fresh eyes i guess is what i'm trying to say and that's why i was interested in seeing what he's going to think about this because compared to naruto because the other thing about shonen and we don't talk about it so much is is it's commercial product like if you're working shonen manga is the biggest selling genre of manga in japan by like a factor world, of 10 maybe and and biggest comic biggest biggest genre of comics in the world it's it's so huge so working in a shonen mag- magazine especially one for one of the big pubs shueisha shogakukan kodansha and mm-hmm. you know even even square which is not quite the same size but still very big uh in the manga publishing industry like these these are commercial products uh to a very great degree like this you know the designs are there's a there's a formula sure and it's been a sort of established so you all all along you either choose to play into the formula or play against the formula to make yourself stand out and you have to sort of pick you know where you where you come but no matter what happens when you make a shonen manga you're going to be compared to the great shonen manga that's come before and i think that that's 
something that the more shonen manga you read, the more you really start to see the formula come through. And it's like, oh, how are they playing this? Are they playing against type? Are they playing for type? Uh, honestly, this is a much, this is a worse first volume than any of the shonen jump, the successful shonen jump first volumes. Anything that's has, has a similar level of success, yeah. I think, and I think seeing how different it goes with volume two with the sort of darker themes and, and seeing how much darker the manga or the, the anime series becomes, especially brotherhood uh, like that. Those first two episodes of brotherhood are like brutal murder fests as like, mm-hmm. like they, I think there's one person killed in the whole first volume of this book. And the, the bad guy that's escaped in volume one of or ish, episode one of brotherhood is just nonstop killing soldiers over and over again for like two or three episodes. So I think it, it's it starts in a place and it rapidly is Arakawa sensei is trying to push it into a different place but you read something else like you read a shonen jump shonen manga or even some of the other the other pubs and it's just it's it's very different i i don't know how to say it anything other like i don't know how to say it any any better way than that unfortunately because i'm a shut-in now and i don't talk to people <laughs> I mean, like, there's a different feel between Marvel and DC comics. Ever since I was a kid, like, there's a different vibe. But I think it's similar between the different publishers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's actually there, Chip. You're you're one of those people. Would you say you're more of a Marvel guy or a DC guy? One of those people. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I you know I, I work for both companies, and I think they're they're pillars of the comics community, and <laughs> I respect them both equally. But mm-hmm. uh, growing growing up, I was a Marvel guy for sure. Yeah, yeah, same here for sure. Yeah, yeah, the characters, are, the characters are more relatable. Like DC, DC was about gods brought to Earth, and Marvel was about men and women striving to be gods. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Deb, yeah. you grew up with Marvel as well, I think, right? I kind were of, you a Marvel kid? I, I was both, but I, I admit that I was uh, when I was younger. I was more. I found DC comics more relatable and easier to oh, really? Like I liked Legion of Superheroes and I liked Teen Titans, you know, I, or the Jim Aparo Batman, right. And yeah. Oh yeah. I just read those for the first time last year. Uh, I'm hooked. Yeah. I think I have like, I had like a the short run of the uh, Wonder Woman as the hip, as the hip, hip woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, like the white outfit, the white yeah, jumpsuit. Yeah. I love that <laughs> legendary. <laughs> oh my god, that was a legendary run. <laughs> yeah. So I just have one last point that was brought up by Chip's comment, actually about DC and gods. Uh, it made me think of Edward Alric, the main character of the series, and his brother Al. You mentioned you like their relationship, but what do you think of Ed as a main character? I, I like a cocky main character. Like my 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 favorite actual page in this was in the last volume in the soft cover, the adventure on the train where it's revealed he's snoring, just sleeping there on the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) on on the bench. Yeah. I I liked it. Like the fact that he's clearly a young character with this kind of power and this weird drive and and has a mischievous kind of streak to him. Yeah. it's, It's a good character and his kind of range of emotions is a nice balance to the, stoic just by the nature of the appearance robot brother yeah (laughs) it it works quite well like these characters are very clearly well thought out Mm. and i can't wait to see them in an anime and there's even a live action movie that has one person who's perfectly cast and that's kind of about it is it is it the main character at least or no, it's not. But it's a really good character from later in the manga. Uh, if okay. you've read Full Metal Alchemist, the father character that everyone loves is really good in the live-action movie, so it's worth watching for that. But if you haven't read it, just watch the anime. It's way better. Chris, what did you think of Ed? Uh, Shonen protagonist. I had no no strong thoughts. He was just... <laughs> <laughs> he was just like Chris is alienating half of our listenership right now. I'm cocky and also I'm lazy, but I'm really good at what I do. But I get I fly off the handle when like the wrong trigger word is used with me. And for him, it's short. And for Naruto, it's like it's it it it's shonen. It's fine. It's yeah. Like did not was not upset about it. <laughs> uh, I thought uh, I thought actually 
Alphonse was underused maybe a little bit in the first two volumes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I can't tell if they were doing that because he's literally like an 11 year old boy who doesn't just like throw himself into battle or not. But I thought he was more effective in the anime and I'm, it's, it's, it's curious. Um, I wish they played with that a little bit more like, like that he is a little boy trapped in an armor thing. I think that's, there's a lot of material there about being afraid or not being afraid. And I think mm-hmm. Elric stuff, like he's such a shonen protagonist that you don't, that you lose a sense of him as being way too young for the stuff that he's involved in which i think is interesting yeah. and the first volume was so careful about that because like that murder of the fake you know preacher guy that happens at the end of the volume happens it's the only murder it happens after the tw- you know the little kid is not anywhere near that part of the story you know he's on a train somewhere else and i kind of mm-hmm. thought that would continue but into the second volume it's like no this this is really violent he's like in the military you know there are guns people are shooting at each other he's not just defending it with his arm with his you know mechanical magic arm so yeah i thought that was i thought that was maybe the most interesting part was that they've that they've juxtaposed these this like innocent shonen protagonist with like a fascist military presence and like serial killers like a super serial killer uh that is tracking them all down like it's I don't know. I think it's going to integrate. Like I can feel already how the second volume changes from the first. And I think it's going to integrate very differently. But, um, oh, and religion was a part of that. I actually wanted to ask you mm. about that. Yeah. Like, cause it, cause it, you've obviously read the whole series and watched the animes and the movie. The religion was very heavy in the first volume. And I kind of thought they'd pull it back a little bit for the second, but they doubled down. Like there's, <laughs> there's so they never, and I don't know if this is the translation or not, but, and there's never like, we're explicitly talking about the Christian God and the other Abrahamic religions, but it gets real close. And yeah, I think they use it as a blueprint. Like, they definitely, like, it's a Catholic church, like, clearly, you know? Yeah, like, it really is, uh, especially that first volume. But then does that make, like, does that make the people that got eradicated in the second volume Islam? Like, is is that what's going on Ooh. with this series? Like, because it's like, oh, this these people have darker skin than the very Aryan protagonists of the of the story. Like, there's a oh, lot. Unfortunately, there's I, several options. Oh, great. Uh, imperialism is just shitty yeah yeah there's like this is a really weird especially because it's so popular like it's so popular that you kind of feel like the edges are going to get sanded down a little bit like the sharp bits do they in your estimation i think they focus and they find a route that's less about the religion and more about the philosophy behind the religion if that makes sense if that distinction makes sense like, it does. There's yeah. an astral plane that people visit, kind of. Whoa. It gets okay. very X-Men before the end, uh, I would say. Hmm. But yeah, they kind of everything in this first volume, like it's they keep pushing on pretty much every front from the violence to the comedy. Uh, and especially kind of like the role of alchemy in the society and the sins of the military. I don't think it's meant to be a specific uh group that they're compared against, so hmm. much as like generally like there's the powerful religious side and there's less powerful other religious side and pretty much any kind of religious conflict kind of riffing on that a bit um but deb what did you think about ed and then we'll uh take a break i i will i'll admit that um what what chris just said uh, resonated with me and that he's a pretty typical shonen protagonist Um, yeah you know having the having the twist where he's short and has like this, he's super sensitive about it. That uh, that is a nice little twist, you know. It's kind of like, oh, okay, this is her making fun of, you know, people who are insecure about their masculinity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know the part about Alf, Alf, um, Alphonse, right, and the brother. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not super apparent. It's not super clear when you're just reading it that he's a young kid, but it mm. is more apparent when you watch the anime because the voice actor, it's like this little boy voice coming from this giant armor yeah and it like echoes a little bit (laughs) much more stark (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i i i gotta admit like one thing that that holds me back from really liking this main character Mm -hmm. and this is gonna sound really tacky but (laughs) the english the guy who is the english voice actor is a real creep oh Oh, is that who that is (laughs) Interesting. Oh man, that sucks. 
and he played off his being that role for you know for a long time. Like, yeah. hey, look at me, I'm that character. That guy that, sucks, right? Oh, sucks. Can, can somebody put out like a a fan redub where they just swap out? <laughs> there that voice? might be. I, I watched it with the subtitles. I wa- I had to switch to the subtitled version. <laughs> yeah. So that's partly my that's my little bit of my prejudice against this character because I I have an association with him. Mm. I think that's totally fair, actually. It's weird, and yeah, it's probably can, unfair to the character. Yeah, I, I I have a thing where like growing up, I loved Bill Cosby records and <gasps> yeah. everything that happened. I just wanted like. Hannibal Barres or someone to step up and re-record all those albums. <laughs> that would so be an amazing movie. compilation. <laughs> yeah, I, this is um, this is just a comment just on the discussion of what is a kind of a standard shonen protagonist. Fan of the show and friend of uh, Chris and myself, Derek Halliday, mm. uh, was tweeting at Manga Splaining and myself because he loves Wave. Listen to me. Oh, yeah. He posted this one panel that made me laugh. I can't recall if it was in the volume I read, but it's uh, it's the main character again, Minari. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, Minari going, I can feel it rushing back. My usual baseless, (laughs) overflowing confidence. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it feels like a send-up of that kind of character. I think it is. It absolutely is. (laughs) It's, It's really, really good. It's like... Yeah, that's like my now my reaction image to most things. Because oh <laughs> the traditional shonen protagonist is like a little bit dumb, but really motivated and strong, like yeah, kind-hearted, yeah. but basically this guy, yeah, overflowing with baseless confidence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it also, it also sums up like ninety-five percent of us white dudes in comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah, yeah. baseless, overflowing confidence. this was good um i'm glad that even though you didn't like the manga very much you still seeing that the relationships were strong actually made me really happy because i think that ends up being the core of the series very much so uh between ed and al and kind of the way their relationship evolves and also she gets one mention uh on the train but when they're both really like terrified at the thought of their master finding out what happened to them when you finally meet her she's like an all-time great comics character Oh really? Okay. Is there an aspect of that? This, I mean, she's a female creator that she create she created interesting female characters more so than. Yeah, there's like four different iconic women in this series, ranging from like generals to housewives. Okay. The assistant to the guy who shows up at the end, Roy Mustang. Uh, I think you only see her in a few panels. She kind of has blonde hair and a gun. She's amazing. Like there are all these. Yeah weird side characters where you're like, oh, I would read like a spinoff graphic novel about this. Wow. Or I guess a light novel. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to take a quick break for some uh, advertisements and music, and then we'll get right back to it. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome back. And we've got one last word from our advertiser. A lawyer by day, vigilante by night. Who is this blind superhero named Daredevil? Find out every month at comic shops everywhere. Daredevil by Marvel Comics. So, yeah, we've we've been, we've been, uh, you know, uh, on the air. Do you say on the air for a podcast? We've been. Yeah, uh, on the air. (laughs) Yeah, we've been on the air for uh, a a few weeks now. You know, look, our numbers are strong. I just checked today. We're huge in Sweden, Chile, and Kuwait. Kuwait. Um, so, look, it's, it's time for, for advertisers to start uh, rolling <laughs> on up to us, and uh, we can deliver your ads in our dulcet tones. So, yeah, wherever you get our fine podcasts, you should find a link towards uh, advertising with us, and uh, you could have your Marvel Comics read out by 
Deb Aoki or Christopher Butcher or <laughs> David Brothers. So yeah, just uh, just a quick shout out to advertising and the concept of advertising. Nice. I love nice. it. Thanks. <laughs> so Chris, do you want to do our final segment of the show? It's questions of the week time. We have two questions we're going to read today. The first one came to us on Twitter today, I think, in response to our newest episode going live. And the question is from Cinema Strikes Back, Cinema underscore Strikes. Question is, hey, really enjoying the series so far? I'm several episodes in. Question for David and Deb and Christopher. My 11-year-old son is an avid manga reader, loves Shonen Jump, loves One Piece, My Hero Academia, and also series like Delicious in Dungeon. He recently read some old-school detective fiction in school and really dug it. The name was The uh, the Westing Game. Curious if you could recommend a good detective manga suitable for a sophisticated preteen. Doesn't have to be baby G-rated. Not my genre, so I'm useless. Deb, you had a couple of suggestions I think I saw in this thread for this particular question. I mean, generally people will say White Read Case Closed by Kocho Aoyama. That's a long-running shonen manga about a boy detective who is a teenager, and then he gets turned into a little boy. Mm. So he still has the the brains and the deductive abilities of of an older person. And hormones. And hormones. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, wait a second. It's a teenager turned into a little boy. Mm-hmm. And he solves he solves crimes. Yeah. I've yeah. That's and he has all the same friends. friends. He has all the same friends. <laughs> Hugely popular in Japan. I mean, there's a whole museum. Yeah. Kindaichi Case Files, which was mm-hmm. translated by Tokyo Pop in the mid two thousands, is totally out of print, but it shows up on discount bins, bargain bins, used bookstores really frequently. Each volume is a standalone sort of case in the Kendaichi case files. So if you like detective fiction, it's pretty good. Every once in a while, there's a two-volume, like two-parter. But uh, for the most part, you can read them out of order. And uh, he, Deb, uh, that creator also did another detective manga, didn't he? He did. Um, he has a, the, the writer has several pen names. Under one of his pen names, he and his sister write The Drops of God. Oh, wow. <laughs> the wine-tasting manga. But one of his other names, he wrote, wrote the series for younger readers called Sherlock Bones, which is published by Kodansha, but it's about a uh, boy who adopts a dog who is the reincarnation of Sherlock Holmes. They solve crime. I can't believe those are from the same person. <laughs> That's why he has the pen names, man. I guess. <laughs> First of all, I'm pretty sure there's a North American oh. porno called Sherlock Bones. So don't get confused <laughs> so. when you start Googling. Yeah. Oh, the other one was I Tell C. It's a new Shonen Jump manga, right? David, have you read that one? Uh, I haven't yet. To my eternal shame, I'm like <laughs> six months behind on everything my job publishes. Mm. But I've heard good things. It's a mystery manga, detective manga. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's all I got. Yeah, and it's the genius, eccentric detective, kind of like Elle in Death Note, is a girl. And she basically falls in love. In, to solve crime, she has to kind of fall in love with the criminal mm-hmm. to get into their mind. So she's kind of strange and ex- uh, kind of a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our, I was going to say, our, our, our detective manga, are they aimed uh, younger readers or is there such a thing as like um, adult manga that's actually yes uh we're about to read one the manga that deb recommended a few episodes ago panorama island Mm -hmm. is technically a detective novel that's been adapted into a manga and you're about to find out some things about famous japanese detective novels in that one i don't want to spoil the surprise for you all right all right And finally, our second question today is from a little while back. It comes from, here we go, Cactus Galactus, at Cactrot on Twitter. While I love the deep dives into specific books I'm explaining, I'm finding myself snap buying the books you mention offhandedly, like Skull-Faced Bookseller Honda-san, which is awesome, and uh, Wakakozake, which is about uh, drinking and eating delicious food. This is becoming a problem. So... Deb, David, let's make this problem worse. Give me two flash recommendations each, something that you've read recently, but not for the show. And Chip, if you've read a manga in your free time, you're free to jump in. But if not, you just stay deadly silent. uh, No, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Deb, I feel like you've always got a good recommendation at hand. What have uh, have you been reading recently? 
Um, well, I, I'm kind of weirded out to mention it because some of these I've mentioned before, so I'm trying to want, I want to mention something new. Let's see. How about A Man and His Cat? Ah, uh, from Square Enix, published yeah. by Square Enix in North America. I'm into it. I'm into it's, it. It's a funky little book because it's basically about a handsome widower who goes into a pet store and adopts the fuggliest cat there. <laughs> it's it's this cat that is that has been that's kind of fuggly cute, and it's been at the pet store for a year while all the other cuter kittens get adopted, and so mm. the pet store person goes, "Don't you want a, a kitten?" And he goes, "No, no, I want that one." And so the, the ugly cat is so overcome with gratitude. He is just, anyway, it's very sweet. And as the, as the series goes on, there are more handsome men and more fugly cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I want to cover that one on the show, frankly. <laughs> Chris? It's, no, we're, we're going to go to David first because uh, okay. it's funnier to put David on the spot. He's not expecting it. <laughs> oh, I'm always expecting it. I've got two. One oh, comes two. from a friend of the show, Christine Wong, a cartoonist in Toronto. Uh, one crispy.com is her website. She recommended Frank and Fran, which is one of the most messed up manga I've read in my life. Where imagine like a young girl who's like a Frankenstein, a Frankenstein's monster, but also yeah. a doctor or a surgeon just outside of the city. So people come to her and they're like, hey, my little kid is sick. Can you help? And she'll disassemble the kid and put it back together in a different shape and not understand why people get mad about it. <laughs> is this, is this in print? Yeah, it's in print. There's digital versions. Um, I think they're in maybe two-in-ones because they were pretty long volumes. Dang. Seven Seas is publishing that one. It's, <gasps> yeah, it's very lurid, very funny. Uh, very, weirdly deadpan and gross at the same time. And the other is more wholesome. It's Wotakoi, which is published by Yen Press, oh, I believe. Oh, I love Wotakoi. I was going to recommend that. <laughs> yeah. The subtitle is Love is Hard for Otaku. And it's basically a very sweet, almost conflict-free romance comedy manga uh, that's published mm. online and then collected into books. But it's about a, a lady who's... Uh, she does boys love manga. And she doesn't want her office to know about it. So she keeps her nerd status private. But then one of her friends spills the beans and they start dating to provide cover for each other. And there are other friends who are also nerds, and they're all nerds of a different type. Anyway, it's really funny, really heartfelt. And you can tell whoever makes it is kind of from our generation, because I get all the jokes. <laughs> Perfect. Chris, top yeah. that. Oh, I, I can't, but uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm actually, I'm just going to go for, in for another recommendation of Ping Pong, because I reread it, because it for the Tech on King Creed episode we we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ping Pong's by Tao mm-hmm. Matsumoto. It's newly released from Viz Media. It's near and dear to my heart. It's about two boys who are very alienated, where one is very popular, but brash. He's a kind of starts out as a typical shonen protagonist, actually, even though it's a seinen manga. <laughs> uh, and the other is really shy and reserved. They both play ping pong. They both grow and change a lot as people over the course of the series. And you realize, you know, one of them realizes that you can love a thing and you don't have to be the best at it. You can just do it for fun. And the other realizes that just because you're good at something, you don't have to do it forever. You can go on and do something else. You're not bound to the things that you're good at. It's hitting home for me. So I recommend uh, that unreservedly. It's two volumes uh, out from Viz right now. And what was the other? Actually, you know what? I want to recommend, I'm never going to, put it on the podcast because it's difficult. I don't know. I think Chip's going to bounce off of it. But I actually really liked Maiden Railways, which is a single volume manga from Denpa Publishing, which is a newer and sort of smaller publisher uh, that our friend Ed uh, runs that publisher. And Maiden Railways is a number of short stories all taking place around the stretch of rail in between Tokyo and Hakone, uh, south, like the resort town south of Tokyo. So it's all like short stories about young women uh, that take place in and around these, these, these train lines, these stations. It's very specific to train nerds and people who like Jose manga, which you wouldn't think there's a huge overlap there. And then on top of that, it's, uh, it's from a smaller publisher, so it is a little bit difficult to find at some retailers. But yeah, check it out. I love it because I've become more and more of a train otaku as I've gone to Japan. And there wasn't literally one weird inside baseball train thing that they mentioned in the manga that I didn't already know. So I was very happy about that. I was like, yes, if you do lose Odawara on that train, you can beat the romance car, but you're not going to. And anyway, it's. <laughs> Why do you think I'm romance car? Of that? Uh, oh. It's. 
really really romance about uh, trains there's a couple one good there's there's a story that's so good that i almost uh, decided to, to recommend it uh, on the podcast uh, which is a ghost story which is actually really well done but like it's yeah i don't know i, I read these books sometimes i, I love trains i think we have trains? to try this now well, I mean, are we trains, all... are the most, trains are the most sexual of transportation. How See, can I, was, I not love trains? I was going to recommend hardcore gay porn for my next actual recommendation, because oh, uh, that's kind of <laughs> funny, too. But instead, maybe I'll pick Maiden Railways then. But yeah, Maiden Railways. The fact that it's done in one volume, <laughs> frankly, oh, yeah. is the real True. selling point Oh, is that, is that where you're at now, buddy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so those are my two flash recommendations. Deb, we only got one recommendation from you. Do you have a second recommendation? Oh, I would say that this is one that I had, I like enjoy reading a lot, but I, I don't know if it's a good chip pick, but he may disagree. Um, mm-hmm. BL Metamorphosis. Um, BL Metamorphosis is about um, a, an older woman. She's like in her 70s, and she discovers the joys of boys love manga. Oh, I heard about this. This must amazing. be really good. It's, it's actually really, really good. She meets a young a girl at who works at the bookstore and She's a high school girl, and she's making her own boys love manga, and they and she becomes the this older woman's guide to the world of boys love fandom. Takes her to her first comic show at I- in Ikebukuro, um, has her meet the artist, and then there's this really cute aspect because she falls and she gets really gets into this one boys love series, and it mm. finishes, and she you know she goes back to the bookstore. I want volume two, and she says, oh, there's volume three, and then she finds out. Well, she she gets current with the series and discovers that, oh, this this author is only publishing one a year. Yeah. And, and she realized she's 77 or something like that. She goes, I guess I have to, to live longer to, find out, <laughs> to make sure that I see how this ends. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. It's very it's dear. So there's, there's... I, would, I would 100% read that. That sounds like exactly my kind of manga. It's oh, actually nice. so good. So, so good. Uh, yeah. We should read that one, too. I guess we'll read BL Metamorphosis before we read any actual BL. Uh, oh, the, that's a good the, idea. This isn't technically a week where we're supposed to pick new manga, but uh, maybe we'll do... Maybe we'll Maybe we'll just zoom through it next week. Uh, we'll be like, yeah, BL Metamorphosis, we're doing that, and Man Maiden Railways, and <laughs> a Man and His Cat. It'll be great. <laughs> that Frankenstein one? My God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that we're going off. Oh, we're going off the rails a little bit because normally it's like, yeah, you know, like these must-read manga. There's always yeah. a short list of these must-read manga, and it's kind of fun to discover. Like, oh, we can throw something a little bit off the beaten path, mm. and, you, and you'll find it interesting. I I might I got it. I'm on this. I'm on the Seven Seas website just real quick, and I clicked because I was like, oh, superheroes. There's a book called Superheroes, but there's an X in there. It's superheroes. Powered by horniness, uh, and that's how they get their superpowers. Seven Cs, and I'm see that's a book I would be like, that's a chip book. That's a chip book. <laughs> I, I contain uh, multitudes, Chris. True. I, I, love, I love so many things. <laughs> Horny superheroes is one, but still. <laughs> Maybe you can read that in your free time. Yeah. Thank you for those questions, Chris. That was really good. <laughs> Thank you. And it was fun to have an episode where we all are at slightly different points on liking the book. Like, I think we hit four different yeah. perspectives. Mm. But that was Full Metal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. This has been Manga Explaining, Episode 11. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Oishinbo, written by Tetsukaria, drawn by Akira Hanasaki, and published by Viz Media. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment in this episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.